This is UWPM's podcast, a show about current product managers and their experiences navigating their careers. I'm Gogolin, and on the show today, we interview Helen Huang, who's a former PM at Microsoft and the current co-founder of Tech Bootcamp, Colab. In this episode, we discuss Helen's unique path breaking into product, her lessons and advice from on the job, and her new life as an entrepreneur and founder. Welcome to the podcast, Helen. Um, A lot of our listeners, if they're on LinkedIn or social media, they've probably seen um, your content somewhere or know a bit about what you're doing. But if you can, I'd love for you to tell tell us a little bit about yourself and, you know, what you're up to today. Yeah, awesome. Um, And thanks for having me. So yeah, again, I'm Helen. I'm one of the co-founders at Colab, and I'll talk about Colab a little bit later. Um, But what I'm all about, I guess, for some personal history, I immigrated from China to Canada when I was seven years old. I went to the University of Waterloo, (laughs) where I actually also led the Product Vision Club, which is now UWPM, for about two years. Um, But I was studying earth science there, so I graduated with an earth science degree. Um, realized somewhere during all of that, that I did not want to go into earth sciences and that I really wanted to pivot into tech specifically, um, broke into product management during that time on, I think what was my third co-op as a science student. Um, and after graduation, I went to Microsoft to work as a product manager. And I was there for about the past four years before sort of making a move into GitHub, working as a product manager there. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's sort of more about like what I have done, I guess. And during the pandemic a few months ago, I think in just April of this year, I quit my job at Microsoft to continue to sort of work on my own startup with my co-founder Shifumi. Um, and yeah, that's that's what I do on like the work side. Um, personal side, I love all sorts of cats. Um, I love emojis, which is why if you ever see my stuff on LinkedIn, I have like a carrot beside <laughs> everything that I have. Um, recently, I've been liking the frog emoji a lot. Um, and yeah, I'm just a huge proponent and advocate of like the power of thought diversity, um, mindfulness, um, and also all types of dance. So yeah, that's more about me. <laughs> you know, your background is really unique, I think, in terms of being an earth science major and going into PM. Um Especially as aspiring product managers will know, there's some thoughts on, you know, what a specific PM looks like, um, talks like, and what kind of education they have. So could you talk a bit about, you know, with your earth sciences background, how did you kind of pivot into PM? Yeah, definitely. Um, So I feel like I have a sort of funny (laughs) story because at the time um, I was sort of applying for all of these PM jobs, product management really wasn't that popular yet. Uh, I know that for me, especially as as someone coming from sciences where I didn't have that tech background, definitely PM was one of those words that I had never heard of before. Um, So it definitely wasn't something that I seeked out in particular. But I think just through a combination of sort of like life things, um, and to be specific, it was because the person I was dating at that point, he, he actually lived in the US. And so I remember thinking, hey, for my next internship, I really, really, really want to get a U.S. job. But for a lot of Canadians, I'm sure you all know as well, it's hard to get a visa in the U.S. for an internship there unless it's in tech. Um, And so that's when I started to search on, you know, what kind of jobs I could apply for, um, what would actually fit as someone who wasn't technical. Um, And that's how I actually came across product management. 
funny story, the first PM interview that I had was actually at Riot Games, oh, wow. um, which is the company that makes League of Legends. And it was it was an application that I had just tossed in, like without, again, like not through the school, just by myself, tossed it in, got a phone screen, failed the phone screen epically because I didn't even know what the word agile meant. Oh um, but after I, you know, sort of dusted off the horrors from that failed interview, I realized that, wow, okay, product management, I mean, the fact that I was able to apply to this job and land an interview, even though it didn't go far, means that there's some relevancy to what I've done, what I've studied, or like just group projects, and also the internships that I had before, which were both at, um, you know, CIBC and Scotiabank, I was doing sort of manual data entry there. Um and, and so, yeah, I just felt like, wow, this is an interesting path. And that's sort of how I went down it. Um, and what then happened was that my next internship, I obviously didn't get that Riot Games job, but I kept applying. Um, funny thing is that application process. And actually in total now, I think I've sent in over like 500 different job applications. Yeah. So it definitely was not an easy game. Um, but I managed to land a PM internship at Zynga, uh, which is the company that makes Farmville and sort of my PM career, I think would just generally kicked off from there. Yeah, that's amazing. And I think um, everyone knows who's interested in PM knows how difficult it can be to get your first internship. So it's really like awesome how you kind of leverage your skills. And now that you're kind of within the PM industry um, and you're building skills, um, I'm curious to know kind of what surprised you about the job, um, you know, what you had going in it with your expectations and how that differed once you were finally in that role. Um, I think PM is one of those super funny things that you can never prepare, truly prepare for. You can speak to, I say this a lot because I really believe it, but you can speak to 20 different product managers, what they do at work, and everyone will give you a different answer. Um, but technically, it'll be the same answer. It'll be, hey, it depends on the team. It depends on the product. It depends on the company. And that's so true, right? I've had a bunch of PM experiences on different companies, different teams, and it really is so different based on the culture, like how you interact with developers. I know other product managers that worked really closely with developers, designers. I know of other ones that worked more closely with their leads. Um, and so at the end of the day, it's so it's so hard to say how to prepare. Right. Um, and on one hand, that's good because it's vague, right? And so you sort of define your own path and there's so many different ways to get into product management and really succeed. On the other hand, it's hard because as someone who is new to the space, you just have no idea how to prepare. And you're you're stuck in this weird, like, hey, what do recruiters want to see? What do hiring managers want to see? How can I actually prove that I have the experience to, to land the role and to succeed in the role? Um, and so I think to go back to your actual, actual question, I think, in general, it's one thing that I, I think I didn't know before that I know now is that ambiguity. I think yeah. before I always felt very, oh, I'm not ready. I don't know if I truly have the skills just yet. But I think that that ambiguity and being able to run with it and like still effectively understand the goals that you're aiming towards as a company and as a team and just march towards that. I think that really is the biggest key of product management. Um, and also the recognition that like, hey, other people who are PMs probably don't get it either. And there's not like a learned skill set that everyone is bringing in. 
Yeah, for sure. I think um, that's definitely something I related to in my own PM experiences. And, you know, I've read some kind of blogs where they say it takes like six months for a PM to like mm -hmm. become useful. Um, mm -hmm. And it definitely is something where you're ramping up and it takes a lot of ability to navigate through that ambiguity to mm -hmm. um, become successful. Um, so th you have some really great insights there. And I'm curious, um, looking back, you know, you also went over to Microsoft and you were able to really have a great career with your PM journey and you're continuing to do so. Um, were there any key attributes or qualities that you exhibited that you really think were critical to your success in your career? Honestly, probably not. I think nothing that I can say here will be that insightful, like, whoa, that's something that I hadn't thought about. I think everything sort of came back to first principles and that it was communication, collaboration, like a desire to problem solve, right. a desire to speak to people. And like, you know, when they say customer empathy and know your customers, you know, so I, I think it always went back to that. Um, it also, I think, benefited that. Overall, I enjoyed talking to people and also written communication. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's a skill that I really much pr pride myself on is being able to like convey concepts really effectively to a variety of audiences. Um, and here's like actually an, an interesting thing is that I realized that in my interviews, I was getting a lot of questions about, hey, you don't have a technical background, right? Like right. What, how can you speak to developers on your team? How can you like speak to customers? Etc. Um, and so one of the things that I found myself answering very frequently and found effective as well um, was just to say that, hey, like, you know, my 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 background. Right. Um, it might not be technical, but what that means is I actually have a lot more like understanding of sort of speaking to customers and speaking to people because one, your customers might not be technical. So why does it really matter if you're technical or not? Um, and two, um, at the end of the day, you should work with your developers, but give and like leave sort of the coding and all of the really heavy lifting technical work to them um, so that you can sort of shine where it is that you're good. Um, and an interesting thing for me is that in my last job or in my last team at Microsoft, I was working on Azure DevOps. Um, which later sort of transitioned into like the GitHub team, which is why I was sort of working at both at the same time. But Azure DevOps, again, is a DevOps tool. Arguably, it's one of the most technical, yeah. still customer facing like products that there are, right? And here I was a PM who didn't know how to code, had no intention of learning how to code um, and, and felt like I needed to know, I needed to know, right? And so of course, it's a learning process. Give yourself time to learn, like you said, six months to be effective. Um, and that's whether you're technical or not. But I think the one thing that it made me realize is that, hey, at the end of the day, developers come in a variety as well, right? Like even though right. Azure DevOps customers were developers, there's intermediate developers, there's junior developers, there's developers who are just getting started. And either way, I think the recognition for myself was to realize that, wow, okay, because I'm non-technical, because I'm not like the best developer out there, I can really put myself in the mindset of this new target segment, right? And how does that actually operate? How does that improve the documentation to stop making assumptions that people actually know the answers, right? And then in turn, how does that actually improve the customer support for our entire product as a whole? 
Um, so I think, again, this isn't something that you would know before joining the job. But once you're on the job, it, it, it really is things that you discover. Um, so I think, I mean, I don't even remember the question. But <laughs> I, I feel like, um, I guess one other trait for me was just perseverance, I guess, in like recognizing that, yeah, there's no way, there's no one way for someone to become a product manager. There's no one background that's perfect. And once you're there, it's just that resiliency to like keep going and recognize that you'll find a spot for yourself. Yeah, I, I love that so much. And I think, you know, it was awesome that not being technical is typically something that's seen as like a negative. And you were able to actually spin that around to something that's like your core um, unique strength. Um, and I also like how you went back to saying, you know, it went back to first principles and your core soft skills, because I think oftentimes we overlook that and, you know, we prioritize learning like a flashy new technology. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that's amazing. And the fact that, you know, there's not one specific thing that was like key. I remember reading recently how, um, you know, people in tech are really privileged and it's usually um, like out of privilege that we end up in these situations, not so much one specific um, decision or whatnot. So I think that's also reflective of that. Um, I'm also curious now, so you have a lot of great insights and learnings from your time at GitHub and Microsoft, but as we know, you don't work there anymore. So I'm very interested in learning about, you know, what that journey looked like and what that thought process looked like to leave your full-time job and start your own business. Yeah. Um, so it was for, sort of funny story. <laughs> um, and I'll just be like completely candid as well. So what had happened is that um, September 2020, so just sort of like a few months into the pandemic, I was living in Seattle. I had no plans to really permanently leave the company or Seattle, but my lease came to an end and I was like, hey, let me come back to Toronto area and just like live with my parents for a little bit before I go back to Seattle. Um, so I came back and around that same time, I, one, met my boyfriend. <laughs> um, and then separate to that, I also met, or I didn't meet, but my, my now co-founder, but then friend, Shifumi, he reached out to me and he was like, hey, Helen, I'm, I'm interested in working on something new. Um, are you interested in joining me and like sort of working on the community side of things? Um, and so I had actually met Shifumi at the University of Waterloo. We had worked on Product Vision Club or oh, wow. WPM together at the, at the same time for a little bit as well. So we had sort of like a little bit of working experience together. Um, not to mention, we actually continued to like work together um, when we were interning at Microsoft. And so he was someone that I was already familiar with. I had like worked on a few projects with him in the past. And so when he said that, I was like, ah, I guess, you know, I have a few hours to spare. It's not like, you know, pandemic, not like I'm doing anything. <laughs> right. And, and so I ended up saying yes. And in that those few hours a week sort of extended into what felt like a full-time job, a second full-time job. Um, and so just for anyone listening, <laughs> so Collab is an education program where we actually help aspiring product managers, designers, and developers um, gain real-world experience that they need to sort of break into the industry. So if you take a step back, thinking about like as Waterloo grads, right, one of the core benefits of going to Waterloo is sort of the co-op program. You get experience before you even leave the university or college space, and then you leverage that experience to really land your first full-time role. Um, and part of that is really being able to explain to recruiters and hiring managers that you have relevant experience. 
right? Which, I mean, again, landing that first internship sometimes isn't easy. Again, for myself, it took over 300, 500 different applications. Um, but still, we a lot of us graduate with a lot of really relevant experience. Um, but of course, not everyone gets that same opportunity, whether you're like a Waterloo student or a college student that didn't get to do PM, right, or design or development and just wasn't in tech in general, or you're someone later in your career and you're sort of trying to pivot into the space, oftentimes you'll get into that catch-22, right, where, hey, you need experience to land the job, but then you need the job to get the experience. And then it's just sort of this like cycle where you don't have experience and you don't have a job. Um, and so what we do with Collab is we really try to simulate what that job or that work experience looks like. Um, and the whole point is that our students or graduates and like learners can then use their experience to really tell recruiters and their companies that, hey, look, this is the experience that I have. Um, and the way that we do that is by actually, you know, helping people build their own products. So again, to what I mentioned at the beginning, like there's no one way to be a product manager. And so the only real way, um, in our opinions, is to really build out your entire an entire product. So write a spec, do customer research, work with design, work with development, ship something, iterate on it, right? And then you'll have gone through sort of the entire software development lifecycle so that you could say, hey, you know, hiring manager at this company, here's this product that I've launched. Here are the people that are using it. And here's the team, the cross-functional team that I actually organized and built this with. Um, and so, yeah, we run this part-time eight-week program, and to date, um, I think we've graduated just around 300 students, um, and our students, so PMs, designers, and developers are now at companies like Microsoft, <laughs> um, Amazon, Twilio, and a, a bunch of others. So that is sort of the spiel on what I do. And the way that I sort of jumped into it and ultimately quit my job during the pandemic um, was because, so Shifumi and I were sort of doing this just part-time, half-time, <laughs> um, aka full-time, but like balance with our own jobs. He was a PM as well. Um, I was working at Microsoft. Things are really busy. Um, but in around the April timeframe of this year, at that point, we had, I think, 70 students taking like sort of going through the program at the same time. Oh, wow. And one of the PMs from the cohort prior had just landed a job at Microsoft. And it was a product management two role. So it wasn't even an, an entry level role. Um, and I just remember thinking, hey, number one, I'm super busy, genuinely so stressed <laughs> um, and don't have time to sort of handle and tackle both. There's so many students. And one of our students used the experience that he gained through the program to land the job where I, you know, a job at the company where I personally was working. Um, so, yeah, I think given all that, it was sort of an easy decision for both Shifumi and I to just make that jump together. Um, so both of us actually quit our jobs at the same time. Um, and we oh, just wow. decided, hey, you know, like life's too short. Um, we're really enjoying the impact that we're making, especially helping people who like junior tech talent break into the industry um, in this in this new way that we hadn't seen existing in this exact form before. Um, and so, yeah, so it was, I think it, overall, it was an easy call for both of us for just impact wise on what we wanted to build, but also for selfish, personal, like <laughs> you know, physical and mental health reasons. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I definitely want to dig deeper into a like, collab and kind of the success stories from there. But I love how, um, you know, you were able to take that opportunity and really run with it. 
Um, and I think the pandemic has really helped people like given them the time to really reflect on their priorities and um, think about what they really want to get out of life. So um, I definitely see that. And having this business now and fully committing to it, um, I think there's a lot to be said there. And, you know, some people often see PM as a stepping stone to building a business or the vice versa. So I'm curious what, you know, differences, similarities you've seen now that you've done both. I think <laughs> that's such a fun question. Um, I let it be known that I, while at Waterloo, um, was never a startup person. So I, I never in my mind was like, oh, I'm going to, you know, go to P- like, I'm a PM now. I'm going to eventually create my own business or my own startup and do that. Right. Um, but I think one of the things that one of the skills that you develop as a product manager, again, is just dealing with ambiguity and sort of the things that are thrown by you and then like unraveling that mess. Um, And so definitely think that there are a lot of similarities. Um, I think the similarities go back to sort of those core skills that one has, um, which again is really collaboration. It's communication, written, oral, um, and just problem solving in general. I would say that again, because PM is such a vague role, you sort of do everything in your power to get to the product, to get the product where it needs to be. Right. And that's sort of the same as running your own business is that you will identify pain points, haha, <laughs> gaps, <laughs> right. And, and you'll sort of come up with solutions and then you'll test them and see if it works. And, and so I definitely, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I'm like, Hey, if I wasn't a product manager, how would I even live life? Cause I think sometimes just the decision, decision matrix or like the cost benefit type of analysis that one does and like thinking about, Oh, you know, what's the tech cost of building out something like this and prioritization, resourcing. I, I feel like those are attributes that I I honestly take advantage of in my daily life. Wow. And so because my identity and and the things that I've done as a product manager feel so intertwined, um, yeah, it definitely is carried through to what I do as well. <laughs> right. And now is there a difference from being, you know, building a product within the boundaries of a company versus now being your own boss and, you know, having this entire market to try and like find a fit for like, yeah, I'm curious how that differs. Oh my gosh. It's definitely both. It's easier and it's harder. It's easier because at a large company. And I mean, of course, if you're a product manager at a smaller startup or like an early stage, mid-stage startup, maybe it's different as well. Cause again, every company, every product does things differently, but at least at Microsoft, there's a lot of process and you can imagine because right. there's over 60,000 employees working out of the it's Seattle office. Of the <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, and so with process comes a lot of really good stuff, right? A lot of good checks, Um, A lot of like quality control, I think in general, really taking the time to understand what you're doing and having it go through multiple eyes. Um, But of course, the other, you know, negative of that very clearly is that it takes a lot of time, Um, takes a lot of time to approve ideas. And then it takes a lot of time to actually build the ideas, right? Not to mention the sort of not loopholes, but the things that you need to check off before you can launch an idea. Um, cause at least when just thinking about when I was working on Azure DevOps, there's so many people that will be impacted by any change. Right. right. And so of course it, it's harder to move as fast as we do right now. Um, 
And so I would say that it's good and it's bad because now we're in a place where, hey, like technically I can do anything that I want. (laughs) I have no one to report to. Well, I guess like, I mean, Shabumi and I report to each other. Um, But outside of that, it really is just, hey, what can you do? What are you identifying? Like, let's test these things out. Let's see if they made an impact. Why are we testing things out? And so I think the good thing is that, hey, I can do anything I want. The bad thing is that it's much harder now to actually decide the things that you want to do. Because um, again, when you think at a company, someone else is giving you those like, hey, here's the key metric we're going to try to hit. Here's the goal of what we're trying to build, right? And so think of ideas that go towards that. Whereas now with my, like with Colab, we're, we're always like, hey, you know, we're talking to these sets of customers and here's what they want and here's what we've built. How can we improve that? Are these really the right set of customers Um, are we sort of doing the right things? Are we talking to the right people? Are we asking the right questions? And so again, because the two of you or Shafumi and I are sort of the main stakeholders of the entire thing, it, it's just, there's much more at stake, but there's also much less at stake. Um, and it's also far, far busier. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine that's really fascinating. And, you know, it's probably, you know, your livelihoods are based on this business. So I'm sure it is a bit more like urgent and distressful. Mm-hmm. Um, have you seen any special like success stories or the standouts that I think our audiences would be um, surprised or um, happy to hear? Yeah. Um, so again, we're very much about diversity of thought just in general. Yeah. Um, just because, again, when you create global products for a world, you should have a tech team that sort of reflects who you're building for. Um, and of course, that crosses like geographic borders, racial borders, et cetera, but also academic. So generally, that's sort of our like target you know, audience. Those are the people that usually will come to us to gain that experience that they're not able to gain anywhere else and then use that as sort of their like launch pad into a tech career. Um, and so this is not a PM specifically, this is actually a developer, but one of our developers, she was a chiropractor for, oh, wow. um, I think 20 years of her life. <laughs> and I think if you're at all familiar with tech, first of all, like there's already some inherent ageism in tech, just in general, right? A lot of people think that, oh, it's for the young, et cetera, et cetera. So I think she already sort of faced that barrier. But the second thing is that she really was pivoting into the space, right? So all her connections were sort of on the medical side of things, right? When you don't have anyone in that tech community and you're not part of a tech community, you sort of end up like how I was in my first interview where you don't know what agile is. (laughs) So there's just a lot of things that you don't know until you know some people and then they say some things, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So yeah, really like, sharing and like thinking about her story because she had just learned HTML, CSS, and like Java, like a little bit of JavaScript before going through the program. Um, and about five weeks in, so she, she spent all her time like asking her mentors questions that we like hook her up with. Um, she built, she started to build her React app with her team. Um, And yeah, five weeks into the program, she actually landed her first software development job at General Motors. Um, And of course, we never really take credit or anything for like, oh, this was the thing that landed you the job. Ultimately, it's still up to each student and each learner. Um, But we would definitely like to believe that, wow, like what we did and what she did through the program really made a difference for not just her resume and her portfolio, but also just her confidence in general. 
Um, and I think that is sort of related back to an issue that I had when I was applying for these jobs is because I would always just not apply to a lot of jobs. Um, as someone who wasn't technical, I didn't know how to code. I still remember looking at even the Microsoft PM internship application. Um, before, when I was applying, they used to have a line that was in bold that was like, hey, you need to know how to code. And I remember thinking like, hey, do I, I don't know how to code. Should I like apply to this? And should I not apply to this? Um, And now I'm obviously so grateful that I applied because not only did I end up getting that initial interview, I met Shifumi, which has now led to this. Um, It also made me realize that, you know, you miss like 100% of the shots (laughs) that you don't take type of thing. Um, But that a lot of it is also a confidence thing, knowing that you can and that you're able and and that you shouldn't let these sort of arbitrary barriers hold you back from what you want to do. Yeah, definitely. I think doubt is a big thing that people who are trying to enter tech go through. Mm -hmm. And um, I think, yeah, it definitely speaks to the level of support and, you know, the empowerment that something like Colab really gives to these people that are trying to trans- transition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. It's, it's a lot of fun. I mean, the program, don't get me wrong, program is very hard, <laughs> but it's also a lot of fun just to watch people sort of like, yeah, succeed and thrive and enjoy what they're doing now. Um, I think as students, we, we often, forget that we also have a lot of time to explore and stuff like that but as you get older that those opportunities just aren't the same um and so yeah it's it's really interesting (laughs) yeah definitely um and with that you know now that you're your own boss technically um you know have there been any like positive surprises you know fun perks of you know being an entrepreneur um Mm. So I think fun perks are that, I mean, you get to decide your own fate, right? Yeah. So actually most recently, um, me so and my boyfriend, who's also actually a founder, um, we went to Miami. Oh, wow. um, so we actually went for like a conference for a little bit, but then decided, hey, like we can work anywhere we want. Um, let's actually stay in Miami for a little bit. And so we were there for about two months. Um, Shafumi actually flew down as well so we could work together for a little bit of time um, and then he he left as well so I think that has honestly been a perk because um, I really like travel like being able to sort of control where I go like meet local people and stuff so and then on the flip side you know you have acknowledged it's busy so have you and I, I'm sure this is something that's a theme that's come across your PM journey too but um have you experienced burnout and, you know, how have you gone about managing work-life balance um, and those expectations? Cause I'm sure a lot of aspiring PMs are trying to work around that as well. Yeah, uh, I've definitely had plenty of burnout. Um, not even just with my current company, but at my, like at Microsoft as well. Um, I actually took an entire month off work in, at one point because I just did not want to think about work anymore. And I think Sometimes like there is a big benefit of being able to work at these large companies. Like again, Microsoft was a huge company, but they were so also incredibly supportive of like mental, physical health, um, emotional health and stuff like that. So very grateful to have been working there at that time. Um, But yeah, I took an entire month off. Um, So definitely the answer to that is yes. And if I could like take a step back and give myself sort of like the tips I guess that I wish I had is that yeah um probably number one is realizing that hey it's just a job 
Um, and of course, now I'm not able to say it to myself as much because I it's it's my job. <laughs> um, but at least when I was working for another company, it was the realization that, yeah, like if I take a step back, I'm before my work, I'm, you know, before being a product manager, I'm still a person who enjoys working with others. I'm a person that does this. I'm a person that has these friends. I'm a person that enjoys supporting my friends, blah, blah, blah. So I think I needed to recognize that again because, you know, work will get hard and there will be times when it's hard and it's meant to be hard, right? And your employers know that you can tackle hard things, which is why you work there. Um, but it's also important to realize that it's, it's not the end all be all like your success at work doesn't at all dictate your success in life, especially at like the current work that you're in or anything like that. Um, and so I think it's recognizing, Hey, what's really important. Um, and being able to, to understand that, yeah, you should prioritize the things that are important to you. Um, I think the second thing for me, um, was probably also being able to, um, be honest with myself, like the types of work environments that I wanted to be in and that I would accept being in. Right. Um, and I think if I had like understood that a little bit more of just like my own boundaries at work, it probably would have been easier for me to like, just recognize that, oh, I should take a few days off, like here and there. I should like talk to my manager more about like my workload. Um, so a bunch of these kinds of things, but but again, I think what really stopped me from doing that probably was like a mixture of ego uh, and like fear of speaking up because I wanted to say yes, yes, yes. Right. And I think especially as product managers, it's easy to always say yes, yes, yes. If yeah. a developer asks you for something, you don't want to be the PM that says no. Right. Um, but I think, again, it's just recognizing that, hey, like. Things will go on without you and it's OK. <laughs> um, and sometimes you should let it. Yeah, I think like I resonate with a lot of that. And especially for early in career folks, interns, I think there's some pressure to try and make a good impression. And yeah, like show that you're willing to put in those extra hours. But um, I think it actually does us a disservice in the long run because the quality of our work isn't as good um, mm. and so on. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> um. I think we've covered a lot of great ground um, during this podcast. I think the final question I wanted to um, end off on was, do you have any final advice for the listeners who are, you know, either trying to break into PM or um, do a good job as a PM and any specific resources that you'd want to share with them? Um, so first resource I definitely want to share is, um, so we actually at CoLab, we put together a series of 15 stories on how non-traditional talent broke into the industry. So people from a variety of different backgrounds, I think we have like a journalist turned PM, as well as, um, did you know that the director of product, I believe at Shopify, he actually was a psych and kin major. <laughs> oh, wow. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So we, we actually put together a bunch of resources like that and they're free to download. So, I mean, you can just grab them and like take a read. Um, I'll, I guess, say verbally the, the URL, but it's join, J-O-I-N-C-O-L-A-B.io and then slash booklets. So yeah, can give them a download. Um, they were fun to put together. So we just like creating content for like, you know, anyone to take advantage of. But aside from aside from that, I think my main tip for someone trying to break into the industry is 
I mean, I've already said this, but hey, don't don't give up and just keep going um, and don't don't undersell yourself. Instead, let the company do that for you. So just apply to anywhere that you see fit. Um, for my own job searching process, referrals, honestly, I personally didn't leverage any referrals because I didn't know anybody. Um, but if you do, that definitely is a help. Um, I've seen it in action. So highly recommend that as well. Um, but I think the last thing on that side is really also knowing that um, PM, the title is very hot right now. The competition is also very high. Um, but knowing that there's a bunch of adjacent type of roles you should and can look for as well, even if it doesn't say specifically product manager, because um, a bunch of these product owner, you know, like BA or like tech TPM type of roles, like they will get you a step in the right direction if that's something that you're looking for. Um, so that's on the side of like people looking <laughs> on the side of people who are already in the industry. I think something that really helped me was forming strong relationships with my developers, um, getting to know them as like friends first or like people first. Um, and I think there's a bunch of different ideologies around like whether your coworkers are your friends, et cetera, et cetera. But I still think that being friendly <laughs> is a must. Um, and the other benefit of that is like really being able to get down to the nitty gritty when you're talking resourcing because um, everyone's on the same page and you're more willing to ask sort of the dumb questions that you might not know as a as a PM um, about like the code base and all of that stuff. So highly recommend doing that. Um, and then I think my other thing is also highly recommend just going through it with a cohort or like a group of people. I mean, I think UWPM is obviously doing a great job already. Y'all are sort of establishing a community of like aspiring and current PMs. Um, but having sort of these people to bounce ideas and like complaints off of helps significantly. Because um, as a junior PM in particular, you will face many times when you're like, wow, I'm working with these senior people and they're sort of looking at me for recommendations. Um, and when you chat with other people and you know that uh, everyone's sort of struggling through the same thing, um, you'll learn a lot and you'll just feel a little bit less lonely. Um, so highly recommend doing that as well. Yeah, I think those are really great insights, both on um, aspiring PM perspective, as well as now that you're in the job, how do you do a good job? Um, thank you so much for sharing. Um, we had a great time chatting with you, Helen. Um, and thanks so much, so much for joining the podcast. Yeah, thank you so much.